This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Emmanuel. Oh, God is with us. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I'll tell you, isn't it so much better to just obey God? Amen. Sometimes, see, if we're not careful, we do have to have things in an order. And so we don't have chaos, right? But the most important thing is that we also go by the leading of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I believe, see, because sometimes, too, see, if you've got something in your life, or you're sick in your body, or your heart is hurting and breaking, it's really kind of hard to hear and receive a word from God. You know, so sometimes God will say, we got to take care of something first before we can go to the next thing. Amen? And I believe that's what we did here today. So now there won't be any hindrances as you can receive now what God would like to say to you. Amen? We, we cleared the atmosphere of that so we could be able to hear the word of God. And we're going to pray here because you're going to have to help me because what I have today is really kind of like a story. So I'm going to sit and talk, try to talk to you. So I, I don't want to yell and preach. I want to tell you a few things. So I got it all written down here so we can stay focused on this, but as many of you or any of you that do know, you know that sometimes I get a little excited about God, so um, I, it's hard for me sometimes just to sit and tell a story, but I'm going to try to pretend like you're my grandchildren, and I'm going to sit and tell you a story, and that'll make it easier, okay? All right, so for any of you that didn't hear me say, today we're going to talk about the meaning of and the importance of Emmanuel. And our base scripture today is found in Isaiah 7.14. As you'll see up here, uh, when we did this, this actually is also spelt with an I, which is the Hebrewic word. Uh, so we know it as Emmanuel with E, but actually it's also spelt with I because that's how they did it in Hebrew. Amen. Um, So we're going to just pray here for a minute while they're finishing up over there. Um, Father, we just thank you. Oh, we thank you, God, today for your word. We thank you, God. Oh, let our hearts always be obedient to you first, Father, to hear and to do what you've asked us to do. Father, I just thank you right now. Oh, God, as we... Speak your words today, and as your word goes forth, Father, let them hear your heart. Let them hear your message. Let them know of your goodness and of your love, Father. And we just thank you, God, today that your word has already been being planted in people's hearts. The atmosphere has already been set to hear from you today, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so like I said, our title is The Meaning and Importance of Emmanuel. You know, about a little over 2,000 years ago, Emmanuel, also called the Christ, changed the world in that moment when God became flesh. Humanity watched prophecies unfold as hope was born. Jesus, our Emmanuel, provided that hope that sin and death wouldn't always win and mankind wouldn't always feel so painfully alone. So what does Emmanuel mean? It's a word that we've seen written countless times on pretty Christmas cards. We've sung it in songs, in the most loved carols. But in Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You know, the Lord himself, it said, will do this. That's what the scripture said. The Lord himself will do this. So, in other words, this act that occurred in the birth of Christ was God-ordained and God accomplished it. No man, it was God that did this. This points to grace, which comes not through human effort, but rather through relying on God to do what only God could do that no human could never do. This was the reason that Christ came. God gave us this child named Emmanuel, which literally means with us is God or God with us. So what does Emmanuel mean for us? Well, in truth, God is and has always been with us. He always has been. He always will be. He's omnipresent, present, which means he's everywhere all the time. Everywhere all the time. Speaking of God, the ancient uh, Psalmist David in Psalms 139 in verses 7 through 10, David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Think about that. See, no matter where you go or you can try to run and hide, but you can't hide from God. And you sure can't hide from his love and his mercy and his grace. In Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24, God said, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth? declares the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, is God trying to tell us something today? He is here. He is with you. He is for you. He is everywhere. God has always been present throughout the universe, but he's been present with his people as well. 
This was what made him so different from all of the other false gods and the pagan and the pagan the the false gods that the pagan nations worshipped. It made him so different and set apart. Through a select group of people, the Jews, he revealed himself to them as I am. A present, personable, knowable God. To all people, triggering within them a hunger for intimacy with their creator. You know, he created mankind for relationship, but throughout humanity, it's been revealed time and a time, generation by generation, how we are to relate to him. But still, we rebelled against him again and again and again. And though he remained with us in the sense that his presence still fills all reality, this wasn't true in a relational sense. Our sin separated us from him, and this drove God to the action. He had to take action through a baby called Emmanuel. He drew us close despite our sin in a way that the ancient world could never imagine. So you say today maybe, well, how is Emmanuel used in Scripture? Well, God first spoke this promise of Emmanuel to an ancient Judas king, Ahaz. It was a very tumultuous, rebellious, and a fearful time for the king and his people when the Assyrian forces had occupied the land. So things were in great turmoil. But God offered King Ahaz a choice in Isaiah 7 and 9. He said he could trust God or suffer defeat from his enemies. You know, God gives us choices every day. To serve him or not to serve him. To trust him or not to trust him. To love him or to not love him. Believe him or not to believe him. See, he didn't make us as robots. He gave us all a free will. So every day, we have a choice. He gives us a choice to make. Said God said, if you do not stand firm in faith, you will not stand at all. Then God offered him a sign, but Ahaz refused. Do you know, see, we refuse sometimes God's love, his mercy, his grace. We refuse him to be Lord of our lives and want to do things on our own. We get to choose. He offered him a sign, but Ahaz refused. So, so God gave his own sign, one that would be fulfilled long after Ahaz's demise. In Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose a right. So in other words, this child that God had promised would be entirely different from any other child that ever has been or ever will be born, different from any other, quote, what they call gods, because ultimately he knew what was right and would do right. Not like us, where sometimes we know right and we do wrong. Christ would not. He would be sinless 
and without fault. In Isaiah 8, 8, it says, God told King Ahaz, though destruction was coming to Emmanuel's land, God was still with his people and his plan would stand. So see, regardless of what we choose to do, God's ultimate plan will stand. Whether we're part of that plan or not is up to you and me. But I don't know about you, but I want to be in on the plan. I want to be part of growing God's family. I want to be part of going and sharing and telling all those around the love of God and what he's done for me. In Matthew 1, in verses 20 through 23, it tells us this ancient hope-filled prophecy that came true in Jesus. And we all are probably familiar with it because we call it the Christmas story. Mary, a young woman from Nazareth, was betrothed to a man named Joseph. But before they consummated their relationship, uh uh-oh, she became pregnant. She became with child while she was a virgin. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph had nothing to do with this. When Joseph learned of this, though, he determined to divorce her quietly. He was going to get out of this thing. But guess what? He had a visitation. Somebody came and visited him. An angel of the Lord appeared and told him, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Matthew tells us all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So why was Jesus, why did they say and call him Emmanuel? In the New Testament, it makes it clear. Jesus, God's son, was the fulfillment of, of the Old Testament prophecy. He was the long-promised Emmanuel sent by God to save his people and to usher in a new kingdom. He came as a mediator between God and man, as our redeemer, redeemer, our savior, and our friend. I don't know about you, but see, I every day want to know him more like my redeemer, my savior, and my friend. See, he's not just something floating out there in the air. He lives on the inside of you and me. And if he doesn't, it's very simple. You just say a prayer. God, I want you. Come in and live in me and be my God. And I'll serve you. I believe you died on the cross. See, so he don't have to just be some story. He can be reality and real in your life. And I don't know about you, but every day I want more and more to know him as my redeemer, savior, and friend. So 2,000 years ago, God looked upon our sin-ravished world, hopeless at all the futile attempts to make ourselves right with him, and he did what he could never do. He came to us when Christ came to earth. He quite literally became God with us. But he really did so much more than that when he entered our humanity. He lived among us. He showed us the way the Father, 
how to get to Father God, then paved that way himself through the death on the cross. But today in our culture, it's so easy to play down sin. It's so easy to say that's not a big deal. But sin is sin. And to God, all sin is a front to him, to his love, and to his faithfulness. You know, and sin don't have, see, we sometimes in the religious world, we label sin as, oh, my God, you know, they went out and killed somebody, or, you know, they had an affair, or they robbed a bank. You know, sin is missing the mark. Sin can be a little tiny thing like God telling you to pray for somebody, to go and give to somebody financially, go help somebody. Be a servant in the house of God. And we just say, no, God, no, not now. It's not a good time. See, so sin's not always just some huge big thing. It's all them little foxes that creep in. That's what gets us in trouble. But when we don't do what the Father has asked us to do, that's a front to his love and faithfulness. It's rebellion against our creator to a very good and loving father. See, so the next time when God asks you to do something and you think it's no big deal or you're too much of in a hurry or you don't have time or you don't have the monies or you don't want to do it because it's out of your comfortable zone, think about how you're offending your father God. Then it might make us think twice about the next time when daddy puts it on our heart to just do it. Scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. This is why from the beginning of time, God's people offered sacrifices. They received atonement through the blood of an animal. Most specifically, a lamb without blemish. But guess what? Thank God Jesus became that lamb. So we don't have to sacrifice animals. He took on all our sins. Yours and mine. He paid the penalty that we deserved. He died in our place. And three days later, he rose from the grave victorious. Amen? Because of his death and resurrection, all who believe in him have been declared not guilty and declared a new life. What has Pastor Bruce been ministering on about the new thing? Going forward, letting go of the old, letting go of the past, going into the new and into the future. You've already been forgiven. So why do you keep digging it up? Because God sure isn't digging it up. Now, the enemy would like to convince you, remember this? Remember you did that? Remember that? Oh, no. You tell them, no, that's under the blood. That's gone. I'm striving to become better. So when we, want, when we say, uh, Lord, I repent, or please forgive me, that doesn't mean that we go back now tomorrow or next week and go do the same thing. Okay, what it literally means is that if I'm doing this, and I know it's not right, no matter how little or how big, but you just know it ain't right, it's not pleasing to God, Okay, is it good for you physically, spiritually, emotionally? Could it hurt somebody else? So if it falls into any of those categories, you know you're not supposed to be doing it, then what you do is you turn from it, and we go this way. 
That means if it's them or it or whatever it is that's going to be a hindering to us or is causing us to continually stumble, you need to get away from it. And you need to get away from it fast. And if you got to run, you need to run. If you got to call 10 people and tell them, look, I'm getting ready to walk into a bad situation, a sinful situation, help me. Come get me, whatever, but just do it because I don't want to do it. But my flesh is overpowering me right now. Why do you think God gave us a family, a church family, so that we can be there for one another? Not judge one another, but also, though, too, we're not there to enable you to keep doing it because the devil would like to kill you and take you out. And if you keep doing that, he will. So turn from it. Step away from it. So Jesus became that lamb, the sinless son of God. He took his sins upon himself, and he paid that penalty for you and for me. Thank God. So we've already been declared not guilty, but that doesn't give us a license to keep doing it, okay? Because what you do is you set yourself up for death and destruction, and you affect all those that God either has in your family or your circle of influence Now you're affecting them. But Christ gave us so much more. So you may ask, well, how does God with us, how does that change everything? Well, let me tell you. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, we truly can receive that gift that he's given us of God with us. But he's not just with us as a friend, as your redeemer. He's not just with you and walks beside you, though he does that. And he does that every day if we'll let him and listen. But God with us, as in he came to live in us. Giving us strength in place of weaknesses. Giving you a courage in place of fear. Giving you vibrant life in those places that seem so dark. When the enemy has attacked and life has hit you and blindsided you, God said, I came to give you life in those dark places, to shed my light so it don't have to be dark. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to be in fear and loneliness and depression. God said, let me shine shine my light in those areas and bring life and hope you into that situation. You know, on the night before he died, Jesus promised that he would send us an advocate, a spirit of truth, who would come to live with us and be in us. Get that revelation. You're not alone. If Jesus lives on the inside of you and he's the Lord of your life, then you're never alone. He's in you and with you. This was something altogether new. No longer would man need a priest to mediate for him between them and God. Now we had Jesus. We had the Holy Spirit to do that for us. Because he himself would now be our teacher. He would be your compass if you're listening you know, I remember when I used to minister to the, to the children, 
And I used to tell them, you know, what you put in is what comes out. If you fill yourself up with good stuff, good stuff comes out. If you fill yourself up with garbage, then garbage comes out. If you never pray to God and read your Bible and your spirit, man, and keep him strong, that when the enemy comes to attack, your spirit, man, could be warning you, could be trying to give you some strength, but you haven't fed him for so long that you can't hear the little voice saying, no, don't do that. Don't go there. No. So we got to keep ourselves strong and built up and listen to what the teacher's telling us. But see, just like your physical body, if you don't feed it after a while, it gets weak. Just like your spirit man, he's got to be fed daily or he'll get weak. And when the warnings then do come, you don't hear it. Because your, your, your spirit man's so weak and your flesh has been built up so strong that that flesh will override that spirit every time. But he himself would be our teacher. He would be closer than your next breath because of Jesus, Emmanuel. You know, we never have to be alone, and we never have to wonder how to please God or worry if our efforts are enough if we simply rest in knowing that God is with us, he is in us, he loves us, and he'll never leave us. You know, I pray as Pastor Ron comes that this Christmas that you'll all experience the true gift of Emmanuel, the true gift of real life, real peace, real resurrection power, restoration in your lives for everything the enemy has ever stolen from you. Time to stand up and become a victor pastor was ministering on Wednesday night, and I encourage, if you weren't here, you need to order the CD because, you know, it's time to stand up and be a victor and not a victim. Because what do you think the enemy does? He's out there searching and looking for the weak ones. He's out there looking for those that have isolated themselves, that for whatever reason, the lies of the devil the hurts of people, the hurts of the church. But they've listened to the lie and said, well, I don't need God. Or maybe I still love God, but I don't need church. You know, they've done hurt and done me wrong. Well, right now, let me give you a little news flash. You've already set yourself up for failure. If when you walk in these doors, you're coming in here for the person sitting next to you. You need to first come in here for him. Then that way there, if the person next to you messes up, gets ugly at you, steps on your toes, doesn't say hello to you, don't hug you, stabs you in the back, it doesn't matter what they do, you came for him. And when you come for him, then you'll be able to have love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and remember that you're not so perfect neither and Maybe one day you might have done that. Or maybe one day you will do that and you sure hope they ain't going to just throw you to the trash or quit altogether. Because see, when you quit, you're not just quitting you. 
You're affecting everybody that's attached to your life. Those that you see right now and those that you haven't. You're affecting them. So don't give me that excuse. Well, I don't go because they hurt me. I don't, I'm not going to go because of what they did. My God, don't. Because the devil would love then go ahead and stand on that rug. Because he wants to yank that one out just as quick as he can. But he'll wait till you get a few people on there with you. See that now you've quit. So now they're going to quit. And you've convinced them. Well, come on over here to the party. My party's better. We'll just have church at my house every now and then and watch a preacher on the TV. Then I don't have to have any accountability or nobody wanting to know why I wasn't there. Well, if you go somewhere and nobody ever asks why you weren't there, I'd, I would be concerned with that. Because apparently they never knew you were there to begin with. And sometimes you may say, well, that just bugs me. they checking up on me. Where were you? We missed you. Well, thank God. Be thankful that somebody missed you. You know? And some of you say, well, I don't ever want to call nobody because I don't want them to feel like, you know that I'm judging them of why they weren't there. No, hopefully that's going to change today. You're calling and checking on them because you love them. You care about them. And then for whatever reason that they weren't here, hopefully they'll know then, you know what? Maybe the devil was trying to tell them a lie. That would shut the door right there, wouldn't it? That's why we pray one for another. Be concerned for one another. And challenge one another. Okay? If it starts getting a habit, then you better call them more and then threaten to show up on the front door. And don't bother me. I do it. I figure that they're going to, eventually they're going to hate it or love it or whatever. But I tell them all the time, don't make me come over there and snatch you up from your home. You know where you need to be. You want me to drag you in here? It'd be much better if you came on your own. But sometimes just threaten them just a little bit, then might get them out of their little funk. It's all right because, see, see, love will speak the truth. Love will challenge one another. Love will tell somebody, look, don't go that way anymore. I'm telling you, the devil's trying to set you up for destruction. The enemy's trying to kill you, or if he can't kill you, then he wants to affect your witness so then you're no good to anybody. So help one another. Challenge one another. Remind each other. God is with you. Living on the inside of you. Greater is he that lives on the inside than he that's in the world. That you're a child of the king. That you're precious to daddy. That your father cares about everything. There's nothing too small or too great that father God don't care about. He wants you happy. He wants you filled with love and joy and peace. And do you know that this time of year, I'm telling you, especially in December, it is so, I'm telling you, there's a special thing that gets released. People don't even realize it, but they're acting out the story of Jesus all the time at Christmas. And you say, well, it's just gotten so commercialized, you know. I don't want to do a tree, and I don't want to do presents because then that's just going to be, you know, uh, just fleshy and whatever. No, the Bible talks about they gave gifts. Sure, some people have perverted it. 
But does that mean you got to quit the whole thing just because some people have perverted something? Think about it. At the ta- this time of year, God's love is spread abroad. And people are celebrating it, even the unbelievers, and they don't even know it, that they're celebrating Jesus. They don't even know that they're declaring Emmanuel. Because the giving of the gifts was first given with Jesus. So when you give, and remember this, look, it doesn't really matter, you know, because a lot of times you can't give a gift, or you maybe you can't do, but remind your children, young and old. Remind one another. Remind your family. Yes, it's first about Jesus. And if we do give, it's because we just love you. And we don't only have to do that at Christmas time. Give of your love. You know, sometimes just inviting somebody out for dinner. Making them something. Just giving them a card. It doesn't have to be something expensive, expensive, but it came from you. It came from your heart. It, you're expressing the love of God. But I'm telling you, these are open doors this month of December. Do not take this for granted. In your family of unsaved ones, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, there's something about, I'll tell you, there's a presence that comes upon the earth like never before, that even people that don't normally even want to hear about it, they're a little more tender. Their hearts are a little more receptive. And like I said, they'll even be willing to hear the Jesus story or tolerate a manger scene because it's Christmas. But use these opportunities to tell of God's love and to share of his love and to tell them how good God is. That he loves them just like he loved you. And that he wants to be with them. And he's for them. You know, but this also can be a very hard time for a lot of people. Christians and non-Christians alike. You know, maybe it's the first time they celebrate without a loved one. Maybe it's the first time they're celebrating Jesus. Maybe there's been other deaths in their family and it's just very hard for them but so much more to exalt the name of Jesus, to let them know God is with you. Pray for them. Love them. Let them know how much God loves them. And encourage one another here in the house. Reach out to people. Let them know that you love them and you care about them and you pray for them. And I'm tell- I challenge you that if you look around here today and there's anybody in here that you do not know their name, get yourself up after service and go over and ask them, what's your name? Don't feel embarrassed. Don't go, well, what the heck are they going to think? You know, they've probably been going here longer than me and I don't even know their name. So, go find it out. And then let them know, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I prayed for you before, but I needed to know your name. You know, that's called being personable. That's called caring. That's called, you know what, we love you. We're all family here. Together we're better. So I hope today, I pray that if if you don't know Jesus, maybe you never have asked him into your life or into your heart.
But let's just all take a minute and bow our heads. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or maybe you have, but you got away from him and you've walked away and you haven't served him and he hasn't been, number one, you just slip up your hand a minute while everybody's eyes are closed and their head is bowing. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you. I thank you right now for those hands, God. That whether it be for the first time or are coming back to you, God, I thank you right now. I thank you, God. Repeat this after me. Say, Dear Lord, Dear Lord come, into my life. come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Be, Lord of my life. be, Emmanuel. be Emmanuel. I thank you, God, I thank you, God. For, dying on the cross. for dying on that cross. For me. For me. Taking all of my sins. Taking all of my sins. And loving me. And loving me. I receive you today. I receive you today. Whether it be for the first time. Whether it be the first time. Or a rededication. Or a rededication. Of my life to you. Of my life to you. I receive you in Jesus' I name. You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I had on my notes here even to remind myself to pray for the sick but we already did that up front so we already took care of that you know you say well you wrote that in your notes well yeah because see god has spoke that to me several days ago and then reminded me of this morning and i thought well you know some of you may not understand but see sometimes when i get excited about jesus you know like you auburn and alabama people get excited about your team that sometimes maybe you forget who's sitting next to you and you knock them in the head or you throw your food in the air because you got so excited. Well, sometimes when I get up here, I get so excited. There's been times I forget to dismiss the children because, see, they'll get to singing a song, and then I get up here, and it's like, oh, ooh, it's all just saturated up here. And then when I get up here, you know, I get a little excited about Jesus, and then I forget to do what I was supposed to do. I think I did that last Sunday or the Sunday before. I thought, oh, Lord, well, good. Th- thank God for teachers, you know, for the teachers that knew and just went around and made sure, you know, that the kids got there. But sometimes you've got to write some things down. And especially let this be, if you don't do this now, if you don't journal now, and you say, well, what's journaling? Just spending a little bit of time with Jesus every day. And then just listen. You go, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, start. Just start. Take out your little pad and take out your pen and just sit there for a minute after you've maybe spent some time with God and prayed. Just sit there. And you'll be amazed. You'll hear something and you'll go, oh, well, that's just me. Write it down. Because, see, remember who's living on the inside of you. The teacher. The anointed one. And so he might be trying to tell you something. But now listen. If you don't write it down, then it can't be very important. See, and if you don't write the picture down of what you would like or what you want things to be, then it's not going to come to pass. Because, see, that means apparently you didn't believe it enough to write it down. Because don't you think God looks when he says, because he tells us about writing it down. He looks at what you write down. It's now invited him into your situation. 
write some things down. You know, we always spend, now this, this year we're not going to have a Christmas Eve service, but we are going to have what we're calling a watch night service. And in the past years, we have done both Christmas Eve and, you know, celebration services. We've been here at midnight, ate food, played games, had the word, did all kinds of stuff. But this year's a little different. We're not going to have Christmas Eve, but we are going to have a watch night service. And we're actually going to do it earlier this year because we do have people that travel afar, you know, and that come from long distance that a lot of times we just felt very concerned of leaving here, you know, at 1230 and 1 o'clock in the morning and people out there driving because there's some people that are out there that we don't need to be out there on the road with, okay, that have maybe not been responsible in consuming some beverages, okay, and so anyway, the Lord had spoke to us this year to do it different, and we're doing it from 6 to 8 on New Year's Eve. And there's basically you're going to come and you're going to hear what God has given Pastor Bruce for your life for next year. So I encourage you to be here on New Year's Eve. And then you still got time if you have New Year's, you know, party with family and food and celebration. You still got time to go do that or watch the ball drop on the TV or whatever you want to do. You still got plenty of time because you're going to be done here at 8 o'clock. So we'll have a little bit of uh, uh, worship and then pastor's going to share a word from God. I'm going to tell you this is going to be, you don't want to miss it because it's for your future. For this next year, okay? But begin to write things down. And when we do, we do a 21 days of prayer fasting, which we start on the 2nd of January. And for 21 days, as a body, we come together and we pray and we fast. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that right now, but there's a little sheet out there about what we're going to focus on. But I'm going to tell you, write it down. Begin to write down dreams and goals and things that God has placed in your heart. Write down some things that seem so crazy and seem so ridiculous. Write it down. Because when you do, I'm telling you, you activate the power of God to come in and breathe life on your page. Because then what that shows him is, you know what, God? I'm writing this down because I believe that you can breathe on it. I'm believing some different things. I'm believing for some things. Begin to write them down. Begin, But I'm telling you, when it comes next year, during that 21 days, you need to write down because see how we start a thing? That's why we do it in the first of the year so that you can set your life up of how you want 2020 to be. And I'm telling you, these are some exciting times. Amen. So just stand for a minute while I, as I dismiss you. I know I took a little bit of time there, but, you know, there's some things that are important. And I believe this watch night service and this 21 days of prayer and fast, I'm telling you, are going to change and break some things finally, once and for all, in all of our lives individually and as a body. Amen. So, Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you already in advance, Father, for your love and for your goodness. I just release right now. Release, God. Let them feel your love like never before. Let them know 
of your love and of your goodness like never before. Oh God, let it permeate every area of their life. Let it saturate them. Your love and your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, God, already in advance for what you've done. The healings that have taken forth. Salvations and rededications. Are coming to you, God, with a revelation of who you are like never before. We thank you for it, Father. There's been a release here today. They came in one way, and they're going out changed. And we give you the praise, and we give you the glory. And if you can agree with that, say amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.